0: Let me put you in this situation for a moment. Um, one of your very, very best friends. And he's not only your friend. Uh, he's also friends with your whole family and, and maybe even your extended family. And lots of your friends are, are kind of close with him as well. Just for the sake of telling the story. Uh, let me just call him Joe. So Joe has a birthday coming up. And you're all excited. You think, you know, we've never really done what we should. And so let's just do something extra this year. All of us, let's just talk about it. Let's see how we can do it. And you all decide to uh, just do this great, great, great uh, thing. And so this becomes your obsession for a month or two. And you know you you sit down, you spend hours on end on the internet to find the right gifts. you go shop someplace to find the right gifts you know some are are are, are kind of preparing the food and and you know daddy who 's never cooking right he 's kind of stepping in to to help with some of that and and you spend on hours you know when when the day comes to to prepare this. You have someone kind of pointed out to find just the right music that, that Joe loves to kind of play in the background uh, when he shows up. And, and everything is just uh, extraordinary. Uh, people are, are talking about this. How do we do this? Uh, and things are put aside. We even decorate the house in very special ways and kind of to get the mood up. You decorate it a little bit early. And so everything is just right. And so the great day comes. And the untold amount of hours, you know you spend way more than to give. But you know, this is not, we don't do this all the time. So, so you know, it, it's all right. You know, he's certainly worth it. So we spend way too much on all of this but this is a very very special thing and and you get together and you celebrate and some are singing along to the tunes that are that are running in the background and the food is fantastic the table is set everything is just just the best ever and then the doorbell rings and it's the neighbor coming in and said, you're, you're kind of loud a little bit. Are you having a lot of fun? And you say, man, we're doing this great, great thing for, for Joe. And we're just loving it. We're having the best of times. Things are fantastic. And the neighbor said, I don't know that I know Joe. Would you introduce me to him? And they come on in. And, and they think, where's Joe? Who invited Joe? How come we haven't talked about Joe? Where's Joe? Oh, we forgot. In all our excitement about our planning and preparation, we forgot. Joe. I don't know that I have to apply that. I think you might be able to yourself. We want to talk today about not losing Christmas. The main person that it's all about. This is indeed Advent, where we are preparing. It's a time of of celebrating that he who came is also the one who comes to us all the time and he's the one who will come back to take us all to be with him. And so, um, like I have done the last many, 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 many Sundays, My real aim today, and it will be throughout this Advent season, to help you once again to fall in love with Jesus. Can we do this, friends, in a time like this, to fall in love with Jesus? You know, we have the story of the birth of Christ and the preparations for that in the... in three of the four gospels, really, we don't really, we only have it in two of the gospels. So, you know, we have four gospels. Uh, three of those are called a synoptic. That's because they can be read kind of together. They, they follow the same flow and they, they can almost be put up so you see them together. Mark was written first. And then uh, Matthew probably written second. And, and uh, he was looking at, at Mark, which is nothing but just action and action and action. Uh, and he, he didn't even mention his birth. There's no real long teaching in, in Mark either. And Matthew comes along and says, well, he's not even talking about his birth. I've got to add that. And there are all these, you know, can you believe he doesn't even have the Sermon on the Mount? We've we got to add some of these things. And so that's what we see there. And Luke, of course, comes also and, and looks at, at some of these things and says, yeah, yeah, we need to kind of add some. Some things uh, here to kind of make the story complete. And Luke decides to do it, of course, in, in order, chronologically, as he says. And so, here we are. So, today, I want to share with you a story uh, that is only found in Matthew. It's in chapter 2. It's none of the other Gospels are mentioning this. Uh, so, let me read with you from chapter 2, the first 15 verses. I want to talk to you about someone that we often don't mention much Herod. Herod the Great, who was a king, if you will, the appointed vassal king of Israel or of Judea and Galilee at, at the time. He was one who missed Christ in Christmas, so to speak. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this is again Matthew chapter 2, of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem and saying, where is he who has been born King of Jews? For we saw his star in his rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. And then they find out. They say, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him because this is what was written by the prophet. In other words, they knew where he would be born and they still didn't go. Uh-huh. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. You can't help when you read this to wonder, why wouldn't they go with the wise men, but they didn't? Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked him the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, uh, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place. Where the child was. When they saw the star. They were overwhelmed with joy. They entered the house. And they saw the child. With Mary his mother. And falling to their knees. They worshipped him. They opened their treasures. And presented him with gifts. Gold. frankincense, Frankincense. And myrrh. Why do you think there are three. Wise men. We don't know that. We just guessed that because there were three gifts. If you go to the Orthodox Church, they think there was 12. So, you know, we just, just want to make sure that you know that we don't know how many there were. It doesn't say. Well, we even gave them names like Casper and Melchior and, and Balthasar. Some have suggested in, in church history, I'm just going to let you know this just kind of as an aside that these came from the three different continents that was known at that time, right? So it came from Asia, from Europe, and from Africa. So here they were. And being warned in a dream not to go back to here, they returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Get up. Take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. And he stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord uh, through the prophet might be fulfilled. That out out of Egypt I called my son. You know, we don't do much with Herod, do we? <clears throat> this was Herod the Great, which is a different Herod from uh, Herod Antipas, who was the one who presided over uh, the death uh, of Jesus later, his crucifixion uh, some three years later. So this was the father. He, he died um, about four years before Christ, which means that the calendar that we now have probably five or six years off but that's a different story. I want you to see who he is. And we'll get back to later why in the world he was called the great. Because we know him not, not as that, right? Um, but this man was insanely self-absorbed and, and fearful of his, his surrounding. And everything had to be about him. And, and he could not tolerate, if there was anyone anywhere That ever threatened him, even the slightest, they would be killed. That was just what it is. And it became so bad. Even his, his own, even his own wife and, and his sons didn't kind of miss out on that. He would take them out as well. Totally. Insane when it came to... there was so much actually that that uh, that he wrote kind of an edict that when he died because he was so fearful that people were not going to be sad that he died that when he died that uh, his his soldiers should kill a whole number of people that were well liked and loved in the in the country so that there will be sorrow throughout the land. Now that of course is insane. You know, that kind of uh, that kind of psychopathetic kind of behavior goes way beyond what I hope anyone can relate to in any way. But having said that, the self-centeredness is way too well known to a lot of people, not to this extreme and insane kind of way, but this The self-centeredness is is what drives so much. You know, is that not also kind of part of our whole understanding of what goes on during this time? That, That this is a time when we are here to have a really good time. This is a time when we are here to really enjoy great food, and great kind of quaint moments, and, and coziness, and, and enjoying togetherness, and, and, and all the right kind of moods, and all the right kind of smells, and all the right kind of things that I really enjoy must happen. And of course, nothing is wrong with that. Don't mishear me. I'm not trying to say anything is wrong with that, but because this is so powerful, it sometimes has the kind of the result that we we put that first. That becomes the real thing. And, and it's possible to really do all of this and without any kind of specific kind of trouble, we just leave the main person out. Oh, oops, we forgot to invite the main person. The very reason we did this celebration in the first place you know we can all agree that's not hard right we can all agree obviously that the only reason there's something called Christmas is that God decided to come down he'll be born into our situation and and take the form of a human being and be with us That's what we celebrate. No one can question that. That is the reason we have something called Christmas. But that's not really the point. The point is not why we have such a thing. The point is why are you celebrating it? That's the real point. Why do you celebrate Christmas? Are you making sure... And I have to ask myself that we all in this boat, friends, are you making sure that the main character gets the main seat at your table during this time? You know, someone had asked Herod why he acted the way he acted. I'm not even doubting that he had all kinds of great explanations. Things that might not even be excuses, they might be real explanations. You know there's a difference between that, right? You know, sometimes students come to me and they, they say something, I say, that's not an excuse, it's, a, it's an explanation. It doesn't count as an excuse. And they get all frustrated, right? There's a difference between the two. So he may not even have, feel like he needed to excuse himself. But why did he not pay attention to what was happening there when he was told so by the very people that he had called in? And he said, well, I had to do this for national security reasons. If Jesus had become king, just like the Magi said or the wise men said, he would have been a threat to Rome itself. We couldn't have that happen. Maybe he would even say, well, you know, I'm doing this for the best of the nation. After all, he had caused great sense of peace throughout Judea and Galilee. He has created an enormous kind of up, up kind of uh, raising up of great prosperity that they had not known for a very long time. It was for their own best that they didn't have a new king. What would a new king do with all this? Herod had developed a fantastic relationship to the Caesars in Rome. He was well-known that his father had started that, and, and he was this incredible guy who had alliances made everywhere, and, and Herod kind of followed in his footsteps, so to speak, and creating one great relationship after the other. It was Rome themselves that had placed him in this position because he was that good. Maybe he just said, well, you know, I'm just working under orders. I, I couldn't help it. You know, the Caesar has said to me in no uncertain terms that if you see even, even the smallest, the slightest kind of beginnings of a rebellion, someone who is going to set themselves up against Rome, you need to quell it immediately. There's a lot of great explanations that, that, that could come here. So the question is also for us we have good explanations very often don't we pretty good explanations you know we we got our own kind of traditions this is how we do it we've always done it like that I, I have family members who don't really agree with me on this whole faith in Jesus kind of thing or You know, we just have a certain kind of rhythm that we always follow. And these are our habits. And, and, you know, being in church and doing Jesus and putting him at the center, even though what we do at home, uh, it's just not part of that. But let me just say this, friends. The main person of this season is far too important to be left out for some kind of defined or undefined reason. Don't do that. He's the one who gives everything else significance. Without him, everything else diminishes in its significance. All the other things you want to do get greater depth and greater sense of meaning when he is at the center. So I, wanted, I want to talk to you just for a moment about celebrating this season with Jesus. Not leaving him out. What did that look like? When, when you think that the very seed, the centerpiece, uh, the nucleus, if you will, of everything that has to do with Advent and the culmination of that Christmas is that God desires to have fellowship with us. He sacrificed everything to have fellowship with us. Just look at it. If you flip back one single page, at least in my Bible, may not even be another page in yours. Chapter 1, verse 23, uh, you know, he quotes Isaiah 7, and says it like this, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel. Translated, that means God with us. You ever thought of that? Why didn't they just say Emmanuel, the Hebrew word, which of course I say it does, but Matthew adds translated, that means God with us. You know, many you get something in the mail all the time from schools and other places and you have you have English on one side, you have Spanish on the other. Yes. If you live in if you live in a more touristy type areas where people visit all the time, like where I grew up, uh, there would be on so many signs there will be four or five different languages. You'll have English, you'll have Romanian, you'll have German, you'll have French, you'll have all kinds of languages. The same could be be said in, in so many places. There might be places in Dallas where you have the same thing. Why do they do that? They do that so that they make sure that wherever you come from, you understand what they say, what they want you to do, yes? That's why it's translated. Don't miss this, friends. He is to be Emmanuel. That is God with us. Translate it into your language. Not only if you speak a different tongue, but a lot of different languages are being spoken these days, right? That may not have anything to do with the words you formulate. We just communicate differently. Cultural type languages. You know what I'm saying. What this says is there is no way that you can escape this message regardless of what you say. Ah, that's not my cultural language. That's not kind of how I understand things. Well, he will translate it for you that he wants to be God with us. That's it. Don't, Don't miss this. This is powerful. And I want you to notice this. That Herod, Herod, as great as he was, in so many things, and I'm going to spell some of that out in just a second. Nobody would have ever known about him had it not been for Jesus. Right? You may have had a few historical nerds, right, who were interested in what happened in a small little obscure place in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. And they may have known about it, someone called Herod. But that would be it. The only reason we know about Herod is because of Jesus. That's it. And let me see if I can spell out how significant that is. Herod was called to great because he did amazing things. He restored towns, big cities that if you can let Left bare almost before him. He brought peace. He brought prosperity that they had not known for a long, long time at that time. He pacified rebellion. When other things tried to come in and create uproar, he quelled it. He collected taxes, okay, but he did so in a way that people could see what they got for that. He put Rome at ease. He built strong fortresses. Some of you have been to the Holy Land. You've been to Masada, right? The the great fortress. Well, Herod the Great built that. There were no natural seaport in Israel. So you couldn't really sail to there. So he built the great harbor at Caesarea so he could sail to, to uh, Alexandria and North Africa and, and draw all of the tradesmen in there. And he could sail directly to Rome and, and do the collections there. He did a lot of great things. He protected the culture. He protected art. He restored the temple in Jerusalem to greater splendor than it had even under Solomon. For 34 years, he ruled in, in uh, Judea and, and Galilee. And yet, you would not have known about him. Not even heard his name. Had it not been. Because of Jesus. He thought he was building himself a legacy. The whole Herod dynasty that ran for several generations and they would have been washed away by the waves of history had it not been for Jesus are we hearing this you know we all want to do legacy right but can I say this it's never what you leave for the next generation that matters it's always what you leave in them that matters that creates legacy Jesus is still king and he will be for all eternity and friends that is the promise of this season this is the God who says I want to be God with you That's the promise. This is also why I stand here Sunday by Sunday. Just to proclaim that to you. The real main character is always Jesus. I know there's someone sitting here, but certainly there's some that might be be watching uh, from other places that think of that. that. You know, come on. Get real. You know, this is, this is kind of a fairy tale talk. Some people think that. What does it even mean to make Jesus the main person? Well, let me tell you this. People always live with what they consider the most important, the God, if you will, of their lives, something to which they give their greatest kind of time and their effort and what they surround or they they kind of organize their lives around that's how it is and that can be all kinds of things the way we think about how we tackle our problems the way we rejoice about things that are going well and all that always shows us what is the most important in our lives What it is small g our god if you will the most incredible message of Christmas is that God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, stepped into our situation and want to be God with us. That's the time, friends, when you say hallelujah, may God be blessed. Just think about this. The word we translate with here is, is in a strong sense of of that term, it, it refers to, to you know, the kind of relationship you have when you share your life with someone. When there's something, someone you're with in the true sense uh, of that term. And notice here that God wants to be with us. And I'm going to end with this, all the way through life. If you feel alone. He is with you. He knows loneliness. If you feel pain, He knows pain. And He's right there with you in that pain. If you feel sorrow, well, He's well acquainted, friends, with sorrow and He will walk right with you through that sorrow. If you feel betrayed, He knows what it means to be betrayed. And he'll be right there by your side. If you feel misunderstood and nobody really can get who you are, well, he was misunderstood. And he'll be right there with you. If you're one of these, these blessed people that you just flat enjoy life and there's nothing more to it, well, he is life itself. Through fire, through rushing rivers, through cold nights, through warm and hot, burning, sunny days. The cry comes from the Almighty God. I am with you. Happy Advent, friends. That's the kind of God who desires to have the main seat and be the main character in your life and in that celebration of this time that we're in. The virgin shall become pregnant and she shall give birth to a son and they shall give him the name Emmanuel. That means God with us. And as we already heard, a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and he shall become, that is, his name shall be in your life, friends. It shall be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In your life, that's the difference he makes. Father, I ask that this would not be words that just come from my mouth, but they're words that by your spirit will shape the thinking, the hearts, the attitudes of people. We admit, Father, we even confess how easy it is for us to let all kinds of other things, good things, take over. We celebrate all things without the main character. Speak to us, O Lord. There'll be some that need to Spend some significant time as individuals as couples as families asking you to come in in new ways and be God with them those for whom this season is tough, tough, tough because so many memories be God with them in a visible sensible manifest way well, for those who don't even know what this means to call you Lord Christmas is just an event that happens in society will you come and reveal yourself and all of we who are here Lord together may we hear together that you said in plural I'll be God with y'all so let, let us bring others in others we may see that do not know who you are others that we may see are lonely may this be indeed a time when we can say Thank you, Lord. We don't want to be like Herod, working overtime to push you out. We want to be like those who gather around Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Amen.